This is an ABC podcast. Good plan. Good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Bounced on its point. Wow. The fates, the gods are with the gods. We're two women down. <laughs> Are we going to be able to do this or do we need a third man up? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. I'm Emma Race. I'm Lucy Race. I'm Nicole Hayes. And I'm Felicity Race. And we are short uh, to, oh, sorry, not short. We're medium sized <laughs> missing Kate Sear and Alicia sometimes who went to Gil's house for dinner and haven't returned. No. They did knows. a BYO vegan vego combo. So we know if any if there are any rule changes, blame them. They're mm-hmm. probably still presenting with a PowerPoint. <laughs> oh my gosh! Imagine oh. Kate getting in Gil's ear. <laughs> oh, fly on the wall! Oh, Alicia hasn't even had a chance to talk yet. Kate's still going. Kate's still on her run up. <laughs> Can you oh, do you know what would be? This is the only thing I think that would come out of that is that there'll be no pumpkin served <laughs> at Dockland Stadium. No cucumber either, and no cucumber. These things are important. Mm, they are. That's mm. a little thing. If you're playing along at home, <laughs> Alicia and Kate are both vegetarians, vegetarians, but Kate doesn't eat (laughs) pumpkin or cucumber, which is quite the challenge. I feel like that's just against the rules. I think if you're going to be a vegetarian, you just have to eat everything that's not meat. It's outrageous otherwise. I think she's exercised. I think Sarah Joseph, the human rights lawyer, would have something to say about that. Yeah, Maybe. We'll tweet her about it later. Uh, So it was a massive weekend because we had the Pride game and we also had the freeze MND. So there was a lot of... A colour and movement activity um, in this bi, weird bi week. I don't like the bi. Can I just have a little soapbox moment Agree. about the bi? Either give everyone the week off, a.k.a. us, <laughs> <laughs> or make everyone play the whole way through and let's just have a shorter season. Mm. Uh, it just It feels like it just all gets dragged out. And someone actually said to me, I think that they have all these themed rounds and themed things to keep you distracted because between rounds about 9 and 16, it all just gets very hard going. Very boring. Thoughts? Mm. I think it's really difficult to try and work out how the ladder is when you've got four weeks of not all teams playing. Mm. And so I find that very messy. Mm. You don't find it suspenseful? I don't like it at all. (laughs) And it is so satisfying. It's not a whodunit. No. (laughs) It does. It becomes so satisfying to see all those mm. games played lined up and look the same, mm, doesn't I it? I agree. Sometimes it's like, do you remember that game that they used to play on Play School where they'd have a whole lot of objects on a tray and then they'd take one away oh. and you have to guess which one's missing? Mm. I play that every round. I'm like, which What's team's missing? missing? Mm. Yeah. Wow. I, I would say that the only thing that would make the buy better is if they didn't roster off my AFL team and my VFL AFL, w, w team on the same week for a buy because – Every weekend so packed with football and then suddenly mm. nothing. That's true. Um, Collingwood were fairly outstanding. I didn't see that coming. I would not have tipped that if I was a tipper. They were mm. pretty impressive, do you reckon? Mm, I, I thought that was going to happen. Oh, did you? Yeah. You know everything. You, know, you, you yeah. say this a lot. I'd like the to Oracle. hear this before the I had the a game. chat. I'd like it on the record that I spoke to Charles Beaton the other <laughs> night mm-hmm. at the Pride game and I said, mm, I'm quite sure that they might do it. Well, we'll be calling him to verify that. <clears throat> we also, out of that game, got a, a pretty specific stat. Um, Mason Cox being the tallest player at 211 centimetres to kick 
five goals. So in I'll, a game. Oh. In a game. Well, <laughs> ever. No, in a game. So, I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing that one break. I don't know whether we get someone who's taller or... Well, this is my question. Yeah, Did amazing. he break the record because of like a centimetre in height or an extra goal? <laughs> Good no, question. It was, it was the height. It was the height. Oh, so that's other... fascinating. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. That's a great game though. <laughs> and St Kilda, I think, had the most inside 50s for the least results oh, or something that like that, which is a really game. sad result. Mm, that was a sad very result. stinky. Did we have any weird injuries, Felicity? We had so many weird injuries this round. Um, so um, Stuart Cramery from Geelong will be out because he got poked in the eye, um, which does remind Ouch. me of an incident that Emma had once, which involved a trip to the eye near hospital. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Like a poke in the eye can be quite serious. It's very painful. And then I had to wear an eye patch. And the only person that's ever made that look good is Megan Gale on that red carpet that time. Yeah, exactly. Conjunctivitis. Dyson Heppel, you probably saw, um, managed to collide with um, parts of Luke Hodge, which ended up with, um, poor Dyson Heppel ended up with a, a tooth kind of parallel to normal and concussion, obviously. So that was, was a parked like he was in Italy. It was no good. <laughs> a little tiny Fiat little on the side. On the side. Oh, I know. He was yeah. quite chipper, I thought. He put a lovely little post up on social media saying, um, you feeling say chipper and tooth. Chipper and tooth. <laughs> I've got, you know, I work in the dental industry. I've got so many tooth jokes. Um, but no, he put up a post. A post. See, that's a dental term oh, as well. And it happened at 2.30. <laughs> um, he said he was feeling cherry ripe as he was heading off to the dentist and showed his tooth and a big cheers to Luke Hodge. So, that would um, be the concussion yes. talking, I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, and the other one, obviously, was um, Jack Zebel, who... Had a collision with a fence, which seems to be the surface of the fence is akin to shark skin or something. Mm. It's it's a real issue that fence. And I saw the CEO of Cardinia Park is going to, is looking into it, but they actually have to find the bit where it happened. So they were going back to TV Why? footage to watch it. They because just need that CSI spray to look for blood. What is it? Because that part of the fence is the only. Well, I don't. Well, because I'll need to repair it. Oh, well, obviously that. But I mean, the fence is. <laughs> but is the no, problem, it seems right? like an Isn't ongoing it? problem. So yeah. there's been like three injuries this season, and you think like if a player, I think Jack Zebel was off for like eight minutes, and at a reasonably pivotal part of the game, there's other players that have had like fourteen stitches mm. and. Mm. It's something that I think needs a. Is it pretty... too close to the boundary, or is it too wet? Like, are they not? Is I it... think it's the LED. It's the LED right. surface. surface. The actual and surface it, itself. What really frustrates me about it is, is that, like, it is an absolute beacon of an OHS issue because that's there just to make money for the organisation, mm. right? Mm. And but it's to the detriment of the people who are playing the game. Yeah. I mean, we probably got rid of paling fences because we thought it was a bit dangerous when the players would run and lean over them and now we've replaced it with this. I think it's I think they should be taken out of the out mm. of the grounds. If they can't do it safely, which has been demonstrated time and time again, then they need to go. It, I don't understand it. If it was a if it was something that was happening consistently like that in the course of play mm. and they would have a rule change and if, to stop well, it. And if it was something that was um, you, you had to have it. It was essential for the game, like a goalpost. Then you know you you find ways of you 
pat it. Yeah, like you, you put stuff padding. around it. Yep. But this is, it's a very interesting point. It's a con- entirely a commercial prospect. Yeah, it's exactly. not part of the game. It's itself. also a very interesting like development in the game. I mean, you mm. could you could go one step further and electrify the fences and, you know, really make that part of the sport as well. Like, <laughs> just everybody stay within the lines. Oh, my. <laughs> you I think that's an idea there. to deal with congestion? <laughs> <laughs> if you go outside your zone. <laughs> you get buzzed. Oh, oh like the dogs have the collars. Yes. They could wear the collars with the right. Oh, I like that. Before we move off into maybe more serious <laughs> topics, um, could I throw up a little umpire watch? Please. Mm. So we didn't have a commentary watch this week with Kate not being around, but I'd like to just highlight Razor Ray, who started <laughs> the umpiring of the game the other night with a keep your hands to yourself and finished it with a we don't talk to each other like that. And I'd just like to say as a parent of three, <laughs> well done, Razor. Yep. I thought you did a great job. There's been a lot of interesting discourse around this where I think some people really liked it and some people thought it was really patronising. Mm. What did you guys think? I was like waiting for him to say, now, fellas, use your words. <laughs> inside voice, please. Although, was it technically inside or was it outside, wasn't it? I actually thought it sounded like he was driving the car. And, you know, when the kids are in the back seat, and it's like, <laughs> keep your hands to yourself. Don't use words like that. I was waiting for one of the players to say, are we there yet? Are we there? <laughs> That's hilarious. I didn't like it. I would. I like my. I like to not know my umpires exist or have voices. Aww. I'm sorry, people. I like. I think an umpire who does a really great job is someone that you are not talking about the next day. I disagree. I think that it's really good when you see an umpire take really strong control of a game and say, "No, nah, that's not happening." And you see it. In other sports rugby like unions, rugby great. union, you mm. see it in soccer, and I don't have a problem with it. It's one of my favourite things in the, in rugby union, watching these walls of men saying yes sir, yes sir to a little guy <laughs> half their size who's telling them off because they, you know, were offside or I just made that up. That's not do you know what I, I do love about um, the umpires is um, whoever organises umpires, they're not precious about the uniform and it was really beautiful to see the goal umpires wearing their freeze MND beanies yeah. um, during the game. You know, there's a lot of spots where you wouldn't mess with the uniform or you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't allow that, and mm. I thought that was really lovely. You know how I can't recognise players if they're not wearing their jumpers? <laughs> I had a similar issue with the coaches when they were not wearing yes. their, like, I work at Target and stock shelves <laughs> on the <laughs> bottom, but I'm playing golf on the top mm. outfit. <laughs> it's like a weird <laughs> combination. Um, when they were in the dress-ups, I wasn't – and I'm not even talking about Chris and Brad Scott. They, I, I had them. I knew who they were. <laughs> actually but identical. It was a few others. I was like, I don't actually know who that is. Yes. Well, Brendan and Bolton just looked like he was turning up to work. I mean, surely he just wears that he mascot. He was adorable. <laughs> he Can was. I just say, he really got into the spirit of it. I don't like – oh, you know, I feel awkward about dress-ups. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I did love Clarko dressing up as horse. I think that was kind of adorable. Yeah. No? No, I wasn't and, right. But what about Neil Danaher? What about Westfold doing the uh, Neil Danaher with his mullet I will say this. Um, I thought Wusha, well fit. Yeah. I reckon he's still, he's playing weight. I reckon he mm. could, I thought he looked really great. Like he should go out and play for Essendon. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Bevo. Oh, surfing. surfing. Yeah, yeah that, that, was, that was pretty that was good. Pretty clever. Yeah. Because it looks like for some people they have a very awkward landing. <sighs> oh, it's poor Chris, Chris Fagan. Fagan. Poor Chris Fagan. Mm. Oh, poor Chris Fagan. I didn't like that at all. No, no one wants to see that. You'll never, Yeah. Can I just say one other thing about the Pride game, which yes, was we well, haven't talked about the Pride so, game enough. No, no. Let's talk about so it. look, the, the football was left a lot to be desired, mm. and it yeah, it wasn't wasn't great wasn't to pretty. watch. wasn't pretty. But the Pride game itself was 
beautiful. And to see the stands full of rainbows and people with flags was awesome. I think there's been a lot of talk about why isn't this a whole round? Mm. Because if we're, you know, talking about inclusion, wouldn't it be nice to include all the other clubs Mm. that also have pride groups and, and people who would like to come along and celebrate? Yeah, well, that's how that's how the Dreamtime at the G started and it became the Sir Doug Nichols round. So hopefully that's the next step. Um, the one thing that did happen at Dockland Stadium at the Pride match was there's literally dozens of toilets around the ground. But on the evening of the Pride match, um, three of them were labelled gender neutral and it seemed that the world shat itself. Mm. Um, <laughs> for, <laughs> nice sorry, time. but... For those who didn't see it, the, the actual signage read, gender diversity is welcome here. Please use the restroom that best, best fits your gender identity or expression. Now, what the sign didn't say is that all people must now share all bathrooms and watch each other pee. Um, <laughs> however, given that only three ter- areas were set aside, um, and that was obviously too much for some, I really took a hit, I think, and I read through the comments section of two newspapers. Well You're done, a you. Good woman. Thank yeah. you. And Take I went through Thursday honours coming your way. <laughs> I went through a good t- shower. I was going to say that. <laughs> um, I went through Twitter, and I was trying to nut out what's the actual issue. And the one strong theme that I found was people seem concerned about sending their child into a women's bathroom with a transgender person. So the notion that somehow there's any in- increased risk to children around anyone transgender as opposed to every other human out there is simply not true and obviously based in no evidence, fact or experience. Um, the only risk that's actually quantifiable and backed in fact is the physical danger to transgender people using a bathroom that doesn't align with their identity. Mm-hmm. So we know that's the risk. Being me, I just want to put all the facts aside and the evidence aside and just can we just talk about women's bathrooms for a minute? Mm, because please do. It boggles my mind that I, I kind of think some men must think there's no doors on women's toilets. I think they, they must imagine we walk in there and there's some kind of female urinal and we have this amazing gymnastic skill that none of us have ever shown them before. Or maybe they think we sort of <laughs> walk in there, get naked and have pillow fights or something. It's very <laughs> weird. But So what I want to do is to say, if it helps, this is what I want you to do. Imagine you're in an enclosed area with a whole lot of people you don't know around you, like maybe an aeroplane. You wait in a common area, a door eventually unlocks, and it opens to reveal a now vacant toilet that's not assigned to either gender. Oh, my God. So do you mean like on an aeroplane? Just like on an aeroplane. You're saying there's precedent for this. And then you walk in and you lock the door behind you. Like on an aeroplane. And that's the end of the scenario. (laughs) Oh, no, too much for me. Well, it it got me thinking, maybe some people haven't been on aeroplanes. So Mm -hmm. what I wanted to say is if you've never travelled on a plane, then... Maybe imagine being someone who needs to use a disabled toilet in a shopping centre like thousands of people do every day. So once again, to manage this, what you do is you hover in a common area and you wait for the door to unlock. And then once the door's unlocked, you go in, you lock it behind you and you take your turn. Um, you maybe know, they need instructions also... on the door about how to work that lock Exactly. Thing. Maybe. Family need... bathrooms. Yeah, I've had yeah. some experience yeah. with that in my own house where I mm. also share the bathroom with my husband who is, um, he identifies as male and mm. so. And we, other people come share, to your house? And other people come to yeah. my house and they, non-binary people, okay. um, it, children. It, I'm not convinced, but I, I can see the that there's precedent. You know, we're preaching to the community. I know, <laughs> yeah. I know. But do you know what my... my big um, aha moment on it was is when I went down this wormhole and started reading actual, trying to find any kind of actual facts or evidence, what I found is that when places declare toilets gender neutral, people get very upset. But when you call them unisex, 
possibly the same group of people say, this is so great because I always get so worried when I can't go into the the toilet with my own child. So Mm. now dads can take their daughters to the toilet and mums can take (laughs) their boys to the toilet when they're labelled unisex. It's the G word, isn't it? It's the G word. We're not allowed to talk about it. Anyway, enough about toilets, hey? No, I love talking Mm. about toilets. Really well, you do have little kids, so it's a big part of your life. I spend life. a lot of time at the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Not just for myself. We saw news last night that Cyril Rioli is um, ripe and ready to play, but instead of playing, he's gone home to Darwin with his wife um, to see his family, which I'm just, go for it. Like, go do what you've got to do. Take sis. care of yourself, take, yeah. take care of yourself or your family or whatever's going on. We don't need to know, but we love you and... Do yeah, what you're going to do. With yeah. our best wishes. Go with our blessings. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the nice the nice thing there is to see a football club understanding that player welfare is most important. And it got me thinking there's been a lot of stories that I've seen this week uh, and player welfare is kind of at the heart of a lot of them. I think, you know, we've already talked about the LED fences and how that's an issue. We saw Liam Picken come out um, this week on social media and just give a little bit more background to what he's been facing with this ongoing issue with post-concussion symptoms and how that's that's a really tricky thing to navigate because it doesn't look like a broken leg and people have expectations about, you know, when you'll be returning to play. And I think, you know, we're much more cognizant of, of the player as a whole player but at the same time, there's been some terrible stories. And two out of Adelaide, um, Eddie Betts again receiving racial vilification on social media, but also about Tex Walker being sent a jumper with abuse written all over it, which um, by a fan that wasn't happy after a loss by Adelaide. Can we not call them a fan? Well, I know, yeah. Absolutely. And then the other thing that got me thinking was you saw Daniel Wells um, got injured again on the weekend, sadly. And there was all of this um, discussion about, oh, you know, he's injury prone on, he's off and then, oh, he's back on. And so then there was talk about, you know, how injured was he? Was Collingwood foxing? Um, No, he's back out. Clearly, we now know that he is quite badly injured because he's injured his Lisfranc ligament in his foot and is going to have to have surgery and probably won't play again this season. So that raises questions about A, how we talk about players when they're injured on the field and B, how they're managed when an injury occurs because, you know, clearly they gave him some kind of um, painkiller injection and I'm not a doctor despite what I often say <laughs> um, but you know I'm presuming that they he did played through yeah. they you know best practice what whatever but all of those stories come back mm. to this idea of of player welfare and how do we make sure that we're looking after players um, whether that's their physical health their mental health their family their family's health yeah. that um, they're actual whole human, human beings yeah. with yeah. much more to them than just what happens on the field I, I feel like as a whole, Clubs and the AFL and fans are actually doing it a lot better these days. Mm. You know, there was a time when, you know, that players would be held down and told, no, you need to push through. And and I think that the more we see players stepping out of the game um, for issues of health, whether it be mental health or whether it be um, physical long-term injuries or injuries that you can't see, mm. um, like post-concussion um, problems, um, I, I actually think that 
that's one area where the game's really improved and yeah. fans have really improved. Do you remember, yeah. it's not that long ago where there were players who, you know, the big questions about whether they would be there for the birth, birth of, of their the child, child, you know, that that's somehow in contest, that that might be a thing that they would, because they did, they often missed mm. that. because And it was standard, that was what a team player did. And we've really come a long way from there and that's great to see. To be fair, in 2013, I thought I might have missed yeah. the birth of the, my own child when I was pregnant for the grand final, <laughs> but that's just a fan's perspective. <laughs> I think you're right. Player welfare is taking um, the front, it's taking a front line, and mm. as much as it pains me to say this, because I hate seeing racial vilification, the mere fact that it's been called out yep. says that we're living in a brave new world where he's happy to call it out, and the club's happy to then mm. back him up and call it out. Um, but I, I would go on strike. I'd say if you're going to keep racially vilifying us, then we're not going to play. No yep. one. No one's going to play. We just won't turn up. You use nice language, get Razor Ray on it yep. and say we're going to use nice language yeah, or we're not going to play anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's Good ridiculous. Mm. It's an unacceptable behaviour. That's what they need a super nanny to come in and do some razor ray and then we'll just all have a week off and there's your magical bye. Oh, again, yeah. <laughs> Am I solving the world's problems I this morning? That, yeah, yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm, I love it. I don't know about your work. That. I feel like we've been meleeing for like the last 10 minutes, but let's yeah. melee, ladies. It's so weird. There's only three of your little faces poke up and look <laughs> at me across the desk and it's like three little baby birds in a nest. Oh, I thought maybe meerkats. The way yeah, little up, meerkats. Yeah, up and down. When you say baby birds, I expect to be fed. Ooh. There's a worm coming your way. <laughs> Channel 7's footy wish list, Lucy Race. What have you been looking at? Well, it, we were talking earlier about LED signage and how, you know, there are other imperatives on the game. And Jake Nile wrote a piece in The Age this week and it was talking about Tim Warner, who is the boss of Channel 7, who is calling for beauty to be brought back into football. Now, beauty, as we know, is in the eye of the beholder. So what is Tim's idea of football beauty? It seems that it is more goals, back more to ads. back, back, to back <laughs> shootouts, please, close games. And if we can get Collingwood firing, that helps. So why does Tim want more goals? Well, didn't in that same article, wasn't Tim Warner quoted as saying that the 30 most beautiful seconds in a match mm. are the ad breaks? He said the uh. most val- – here is the quote, mm. Felicity. He said, the most valuable 30 seconds of real estate in Australian television is those minutes after a goal mm. and also referred to the break of innings at, in, in test cricket. Yeah. But uh, it's an interesting one. He quotes – NFL coach Vince Lombardi and says, get out of the way and let the players play. But ironically, in I don't know that he really does want anyone no. to get out of the way. I think he wants the AFL to actually get in boots and all and manufacture mm. entertainment. And using NFL as, a, as an example, which is like a one-hour game that takes about seven hours to play <laughs> out because they have so <laughs> many exactly. ads and breaks. I, I have no issue with that being his opinion and that's mm. his job. You know, he... Yeah. He doesn't represent the game. He represents a, a, a network. Where I have an issue is if the AFL listens to him. Um, if mm. if the game changes based on that, then then we have a problem. Well, I think, I mean, the question is, is it is it sport or is it entertainment? I think it's both and this is the challenge. It is absolutely, at this level, a spectacle. I mean, it exists for the fans. Is, but is it, that fans on television or is that fans well, at the this game? Well, is, this is the challenge because they actually want different things sometimes. And But either way, we still want the game above the ads. So the idea of 
catering mm. the game around advertising is, you know, I think flies in the face of what it's meant to do. It's meant to be for the fans. I have a I have a real issue with um, manufacturing what we think we want. And I think, you know, we were quite scathing about AFLX because that was all flash, lots mm. of goals. And it felt so, it felt like empty calories. It mm. just was so unsatisfying. And I wonder, I mean, yes, you're right. Like the reason that this is a story is because the broadcast rights give so much money to the game. And, you know, there are lots of ways that we're seeing it, you know, be used and be required. And the game has now become quite dependent on it. I wonder, you know, all the people that talk about how, can we just go back to how, you know, when footy was beautiful and when footy was good. And that was back in the day when we didn't have huge broadcast money. We actually, you know, players but weren't when, actually full-time. Players had, had jobs. But, where, but when was that? Because I look at the footage <laughs> I and I was at a lot of those games, as a, obviously as a, you know, pre-pubert, a very young child. But the, there was mud and there was slog and there was ugly football because the conditions, you know, I'm I'm trying to... Has there ever really been a time when that's true, firstly? And secondly, we're getting seeing lots of goals being kicked. It's just, unfortunately, usually by one side at the moment. So in terms of what Tim Warner wants, we're getting there. Like there's lots of goals being kicked. It's just largely on one, one team at a time. So that's not optimum. That's not good for fans. I think there's a tendency to look back on the past with rose-coloured glasses. Mm. And I think that, that happens. But in terms of manufacturing, you know, the other thing that comes to my mind is Gold Coast and, you know, how do we solve a problem like Gold Coast? Because every time, you know, that song just pops into my head. <laughs> Maria. <laughs> Maria. What is it? <laughs> you need to sing this now. No, we're not going Does there. anyone want to play along at home? We're not playing no, along we're not, at home. We're not. No. Okay. You know, Gold Coast is this ongoing issue where they're not having success on the field. There's issues about retaining players. Tony Cochran has, is apparently, according to Michael Gleeson, preparing another list of um, requests to go to AFL House, including um, priority draft picks, player retention funds and more money. Yep. I just wonder how, how long are we going to keep throwing good players after good players and good money after bad but what do you what do you think well i think that if you wanted to solve two of the things you don't like which is well i'm not saying you don't like gold coast but you're saying that's a problem you're saying the buys a problem then you remove one team from the competition and then every round one club gets a week off mm. you have a rolling buy system i like how you're a really critical thinker and you come up with a solution mm. hey i'm mm. not just about raising problems i'm about <laughs> like offering solutions here my issue mm. is that if we keep being so beholden to the broadcaster and let's be honest tim warner is doing his job yeah, because absolutely. he's speaking for his mm. um for his organisation but he won't always be at the helm no. of that organisation therefore let's not change the game based on what that man thinks so you're right i think mm. i feel really strongly that we shouldn't be responding to what the broadcaster wants because the other thing is if we keep tinkering with the game, then all of a sudden is Buddy Franklin a footballer or is he an actor like Elf from mm. Home and Away? Like, you know, if, <laughs> do, do, these, do the footballers become just another commodity that yeah. is an entertainment source I, and it's not yeah. actually a sport? I think the flip side of that is if you look back at what happened with cricket back in the, the Kerry Packer days and the when he was at the helm of... World um, Series stuff. Yeah, and... I don't think anybody could argue that what he did in terms of changing the game was detrimental. I think that, you know, World Series cricket added to the game and the whole short format and the, you know, and so 
I don't know, maybe get a West but, Indian team. But maybe I mean, we need to maybe, maybe that, we need to sit back and listen to the broadcast. But isn't that what the as AFL well and see what it, what's their grand plan? But it does feel like that's what the AFLX was trying to accomplish and that wasn't a complete, you know, that debacle. I'm I, I don't know anyone who really embraced that. The one thing I I did like about what Tony Cochran said is that in terms of um, growing the fan base and also growing long-term success and and players who want to play at the Gold Coast, he was talking about it's it's probably it's a long prospect. It's a fifteen to twenty year prospect because at the moment players usually come from the southern states, and so there is that pull to come back, and there's that link to player welfare again that mm. we we understand when players want to come home to their families. Um, but sometimes I think it's a maybe it's a case of you know adjusting our expectations and and understanding that for the next fifteen years Gold Coast may not be able to retain players and it, and it may not be a successful club while it's building and while it's growing its fan base, but it's a, I, I don't think you can try and have both. So maybe something that Tony Cochran should think about is trying to really embed AFL into like the new generation of and Gold I think Coast they people are. who live I there. Think so, they are. you know, the AFL's moving into hotels. Maybe Gold Coast should move into childcare centres, right? And so <laughs> then they actually have, like, Auskick doesn't start when you're seven. Auskick starts when you're like 18 months old and your parents go back to work. And then all of a sudden, you've got a community there and people, you're looking at me like I'm a crazy yeah. person. I'm just, I'm just yeah. shooting it. Like, because I was thinking when you mentioned Gold Coast and, you know, throwing good money after bad, mm. is that what it's called? Hand right. over fist, mm. whatever it's called. It's not the raw prawn. <laughs> it's not the raw prawn. I was thinking it's like... Um, the prawns are on the barbie up there. <laughs> I was thinking it's like when you just keep sinking money into mm. a car that's a lemon. But mm. if it's a long term, if it's a long, long... If we're thinking of if it's not going to be a Datsun 120Y in 15 years. <laughs> yeah. And it's better than starting again. But I mean, I honestly, I think that they're missing the most obvious way to, so to really do this is the women's game is where they need to grow. Hello. Hello. They've got the support. They've got the mm-hmm. intent. They've got the, you know, they've already got the development coming through. It has a, a better presence in these other states than the men's game in many ways or a growing presence. That's where they need to put their time and effort. Which brings me to Hallelujah. my topic of choice, ladies. I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but um, you're going to have to get off the fence because I Uh need an opinion on this. It is looking really likely, as reported by Tom Morris, who seems to have all the mail that comes out of the AFL, um, it's looking increasingly likely that the AFLW season 2019 will be conferenced. Really? I am, look, I don't know, I know not- that our Instagram stories is not like a really great um, scientific testing ground, but <laughs> I put a poll out there yesterday, 99% to 1% of people saying this is a good idea. So what that means for fans and for players is that the commitment would still be the same for the players at six months. They need to, you know, be training. They need to move into state, potentially leave their jobs. Um, you're looking at Lauren Arnell, for example, who's just been picked up by Brisbane. She'll be moving, she'll need to find somewhere to live, somewhere to work, all that kind of stuff. commitments are different too. Um, And they will get to play five games. The AFLW season for them will be five games unless they make finals. So it will take you 20 seasons to play 100 games, just FYI, if you're thinking about it in those terms. So the conferencing schedule would happen. It would be two conferences. There would be five in each group and there would be four games. um, Sorry, there would be two games of your own conference and then the two leftover teams would play each other. 
So it's a weird combination, but it's basically to save the AFLW, as I read it, from impacting on any other sport around it. It's to really jam it just right into its own little niche there and for it not to overlap with anything else that exists, including AFLX. Now, in trying to be moderate and in trying to bring you all the parts of the conversation, the only one positive I could see out of this is that uh, less travel could be really beneficial to some of the people who play and then have to also go to work the next day. You know, if you're playing for free or whatever and you get back on the red eye and then you've got to front up and go to your normal job the next day, look, maybe that will maybe that will be helpful. But I don't know. I have not spoken to one person who plays in the AFLW. And let's be honest, I stalk those players mm, on Twitter and Facebook constantly yeah. and I'm trying to ingratiate myself with them and be their best friends. <laughs> yeah, they, and they tell us about that. There's actually. a few of them that really could, um, you know, back that up. Um, not one of them wants to play mm. like this. They don't want to play conferencing. And and the mm. thing that frustrates me the most is this. When you hold that up against the AFL-M fixture, I mean – Half the teams play everyone once and a half. They, there's no there's no continuity. It's no. not like everyone plays each other once. Everyone plays each other once and then sometimes again, a couple of weeks so, later, yeah. sometimes home, sometimes away. It's all over the shop. So I don't understand. At some point, the AFL-M is going to have to give up a little tiny bit of doona yeah. to allow the AFLW to grow. And I'm not seeing that in the next five to ten years. From a, a game development point of view, it staggers me that, you know, we've, the last two seasons when the clubs have been playing eight games and potentially finals, one of the seven, seven, seven games, sorry, and, and, potentially and, eight. Um, and potentially eight, the the big criticism that has always come out is the game's not developing fast enough. And that's a time thing. That's when, when you could take a team and let them play together as a team that's how they develop. So there isn't some other magical no. league out there where these teams are playing and developing in the off season and just come out and perform for five games for everybody and go, look how it's all developed. Um, they might it's say not it's happen. the VFLW competition. They may say but that. Not but they don't not play teams. together as teams. Not always. Aren't. No, not no, always. They're not, many of them don't play for the same VFLW team as they do AFLW team and they don't all have I would. Team. I would be so interested to know who it is in AFL House who's the advocate for this and saying this is a good thing for the women's game. Well, Tom Morris reported that he was looking at, um, he said that Nicole Livingston had said that she will consult with the media and with the players, um, but it was looking more and more likely. So if I would like name names. I would like to see who it was that thought that this was a good idea. I would imagine maybe Steve Hocking thinks it's a good idea because he's a real innovator and he's, um, you know, he's a person that gets stuff done and but there's he's obviously also, an issue there mm. and he, that this is the way that he might see that it's um, the way forward. He, he's he, also been really clear about distinguishing between AFLM and AFLW as something quite different, which has always made us quite uncomfortable, even though there are aspects that are different the fundamentals of the game are, are what we value and why we wanted to see women play. But he doesn't. He seems to think they're up for grabs. The thing that crushed me the most 
of all of the conversation was that it needs to fit in with AFLX, the fixture of AFLX. Mm. And I was like, is this a joke? That is down ball. That yep. is like play it at lunchtime. Yeah. Anyway, we did get an email this week from a gorgeous fan called Liz. And I believe that she sent an email to the AFL outlining what she thinks, um, how she thinks the schedule should go. And I'm all for this. I think this is great because she's coming up with a solution and she's saying, why aren't the, why wouldn't the AFLW games be played in summer, Wednesday through to Sunday, one each evening? Make it a summer sport, make it an early game. Don't make it in the middle of the day because play, um, play, fans can't get there. Um, so maybe before a seven o'clock kickoff, um, and then you can at least take your kids, um, and then it won't necessarily overlap. Channel 7 has lost the rights to the tennis, so why don't they broadcast it? Why don't they do for it what the Big Bash has done for women's cricket? Um, and then also take it out to regional areas, which I think is also a really great idea. And I liked that she got off her laurels, whatever they are. I assume it's your haunches. Haunches, your is it your hands? I feel like your laurels might be sitting on your hands. Is that laurels? I think sitting on them is not good. One's laurel, one's what's the other? <laughs> Hardy. <laughs> no. <laughs> what was that thing? Do you hear laurel or do you hear? Yarny. <laughs> yarny. <laughs> get off your laurels. Get off your yarnies. Send an Red email. Dress. What I is it? Know. Blue and gold Let's dress. Let's come up with a solution because, mm. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Mm. I want more of this product, mm. not less of yes. this product. I thought getting more teams we were going to have more games. I want players playing more games so they get better. So uh, on Saturday you two, night. stop talking. Sorry. Stop talking. That's it's not my... the way we... Razor Ray. I'll get Razor Ray in here. <laughs> it's my turn, girls. Come on. <laughs> on Saturday night, Lucy and I had the privilege of going to the Pride game. At the, um, we were invited by Vic Health and it was a delightful evening and we got to see the incredible Georgie Stone talk. Um, she's just a beautiful, extraordinarily, oh, I don't know, articulate. graceful, articulate, eloquent, much more than us anyway, um, ambassador for all things inclusive and and she's just uh it was a real delight to to see her in person but we also had the pleasure of um being seated next to <laughs> Stefan Gruen who's a uh, from Vic Health, but also a former AFL field umpire. And bless his cotton socks, because the minute we discovered he was a former AFL <laughs> umpire, Lucy and I geeked out. Uh, we just immediately, oh, we've got so many questions. Anyway, he managed to fob us off. For quite a, he sat with us most of the night. And by the last quarter, when there was absolutely nothing else to talk about, he finally said, so what were your umpiring questions? <laughs> <laughs> and of course... As I know most of Australia is concerned with this <laughs> kick off the boundary that I have mentioned once or twice. So just to refresh your memories, um, one of my concerns, and, and it's a national concern obviously, is that when a free kick is play, paid and it's the player starts from behind the boundary, off, you know, over the boundary and takes a run, what I'm seeing more and more often is a player running along the boundary effectively playing on and not being called for it, getting the kickoff. Every now and then you'll see an umpire call play on, but the minute they're still behind the boundary. So the minute they do that, what I always believe should happen is there should be a throw in. Mm -hmm. I had this confirmed by Stephen <gasps> Gruen. Wow. He actually said that in that situation, the, the rule is pretty straightforward, but basically if you don't, you have to run in a straight line basically. But of course, if you're following the boundary, that's not straight. Straight away, that's not straight. But if you take a step either side, then it should be called play on. You can you can kick or, or handball. It doesn't matter as long as it's in a, a direct line. But if you 
step outside of that or if you go to play on and it's called play on, if you're behind the boundary when that happens, it should be out of bounds and then a throw in. Has anyone seen that ever called? No. I Mm. also haven't seen the situation that you're talking about. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Right. We've, we'll, we'll, She's we'll going to make you a highlight through. <laughs> I will send you vision to put on your gorgeous Instagram feed, okay? Yeah, okay. I like your happens. passion. I like your passion. That's so fascinating. But did he say that he's been seeing it happen? Well, he said this is what should happen. And I think we, I mean, we've all seen the, the play on call where every now and then when a player does that. That's mm. happened. And I think that even happened in this last round. Mm. I, it's it's not that unusual. But the fact that the, that the umpires aren't calling it. The only reason it really bothers me is several times when I've seen it, and I, I must admit it was probably more often last year um, that it, it came up. I saw it quite a few times. It ended in goals. Mm. So it actually was mm. quite significant in terms of affecting the outcome of the game. So, you know, I just I just feel quite vindicated in mm. my concern and I think that the umpires need to start enforcing that rule since it exists 16.5 and 16.5.1. There should be – he should start a help desk, right, so that you can actually tweet him during the game or call him and go, like, can I get a ruling on that just from a fan's perspective? Oh, I'd love that. How great would that be? That would actually be really helpful when you're watching the game with someone and, you know, you watch it with your own goggles on. Mm. And sometimes I, I cannot see the – you know, the other point of view. Mm. So if you could actually just solve the argument right there by tweet an umpire and they could go, nah, they, they had it right. Tweet an umpire. That would be great. That's, That's a really idea. good idea. Do you mm. remember when, um, who's that singer that sings, it's only the beginning and I've already That's gone. not even Deb Conway. Deb Conway, thank oh my you. Do you remember me. when you used to be able to, um, like, she would do a thing where you could um, nominate, like yeah, get her to come for come dinner, to and she would sing in sing. your house, right? Do you know about this? No, and not you could, know And then people, you get invites to people's houses, and go like, "Oh, we we won Deb Conway in a raffle," and yep. she'd come and sing at your house oh. and stuff, right? Wow, It'd be amazing! Imagine if you could do that with an umpire, <gasps> and you could watch the game with them. <gasps> that I'm I'm there. That's a really good How idea. How do we do this? Let's talk to the AFL. I mean, a field umpire though. I mean, I would love to watch with Chelsea, but I mean, goal review is not exactly. Not as exciting. Not as as fun. Anyway, I'm just putting it out there. Let's just blue sky this. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, a moment ago you mentioned Georgie Stone and I just want to briefly say one other thing that's been getting in my craw this week, which is um, Hannah Mouncey was on um, open mic and I didn't watch it, but I did see a bit of um, Twitter chat and all I could think is why is um, Fox Footy not moderating? that Twitter chat, if you're going to invite someone into your home slash onto your TV show and then you're going to put out quotes about um, that show and you're going to promote it and you're going to use it to make people watch your show and then in your Twitter feed you're going to let people just like just put a whole lot of hate speech out there, that is not cool. That is just not cool at all. If you're not going to moderate your Twitter or your Facebook, then don't do it. Mm -hmm. Like like that makes me just go, you are just a clickbait machine. Mm. And it really infuriated me. And the thing that I thought about is like, I reckon Hannah can, Hannah's doing pretty well. Hannah can hack it, but Georgie Stone shouldn't have to see that. You know, the parents of She's an 18 year old young woman. Exactly. The parents of kids who are going through this, who are looking to mm. those examples to see what that journey is going to be like for their family or for their um, kids, I'm like they shouldn't have to see that either. Mm. And I understand that Hannah takes things on um, when she chooses to go on those shows, but that shouldn't have to be in the public domain, mm. that kind of hate speech and vitriol, um, especially, I mean, not for Hannah. I'm not saying that it's okay for her either, but no. do you know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. If, if you're going to invite someone on your show, then 
clean up your backyard after, I, the, after you know, all the dirty neighbours have left. Oh, agreed. I remember when I wrote a piece for The Guardian, one of the first pieces I wrote um, about uh, some of the footy show commentary about um, women in football and, and various gender issues, uh, they warned me that they just wouldn't even turn comments on because mm. it's impossible because they knew if a woman's talking in any authoritative way about football, this is a couple of years ago now, uh, it's a lot more common it's now. Really and we've got a, a, you know, Kato Halloran's yeah. doing a great job as yeah. the, sport, mm-hmm. the deputy sports editor. But yeah, they just don't even, didn't even have them on because you cannot have women safely talking about football in a public space. Can I also um, say if you're going to be the AFL and tweet out on social media clips from inside a coach's box, maybe have a really good look at what the coach is saying because there was an appalling um, piece that went to air and I'm not even going to repeat it or anything like that, but it was um, the the swear word in it wasn't the problem. It was the other word um, Mm. that that came out from um, one of the Scott brothers and you know, the AFL tweeted it and if you – so many people replied to that tweet asking them to remove it and it's still there. Mm-hmm. So obviously yeah. they just tweet and don't actually go back and look at what it is that they've done or said. And I also wonder whether they've had a look at their policies because if, if – I think we need to treat um, disability slurs and this fell into that category yeah. mm-hmm. with the same kind of attention and force as we treat Racism. racist mm-hmm. – and homophobic slurs. Of course we do. Mm, and, and that's what their policy says. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he sure got pinged for it. Mm-hmm. So Rightly. all I could think is, what well, it's okay. It's not okay for Heath Shaw to do it, but it's okay for the AFL to retweet this. Mm. Yeah. Nicole and I had the opportunity to meet with Rory Burnside and Rowan Brooks, who are both integral members of the band Rudely Interrupted. Uh, This band's going to be playing at the upcoming Community Cup, where Rory has the dual role of providing pre-match entertainment and also coaching the Rock Dogs, a job that, as you will hear, he takes very seriously. For those who haven't heard of Rudely Interrupted, this band was recently described in the New York music media as a band with a taut, impassioned sound somewhere between The Killers and Wire, and a documentary on the band was nominated for an AFI award. But playing at the Community Cup is the first time this band's been asked to play with their peers, as the group Rowan's put together are all living with disabilities, ranging from vision impairment, hearing loss, Asperger's, Down syndrome and epilepsy. We loved meeting these guys and we hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you so much for coming in it's today. It's our pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Maybe we could start by just asking you about your involvement in Community Cup this year. Well, um, we're, yeah, we're very excited because uh, Rory's first coaching appointment. Um. I know, I'm... I'm- <laughs> A little bit on cloud nine. <laughs> well, considering some of the past coaches, um, we're in some... Um, uncharted territory. <laughs> uncharted territory, <laughs> yeah, for, for all involved. But it's been a fantastic uh, run up to the Cup so far, which is a few weeks away. We already know exactly Two and a half how many weeks. Days. There we go. Um, so your band, Rudely Interrupted, is something that you put together, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Back in 2006. Yeah. Um, Sort of formed a band for um, uh, people who were living with um, different situations, disabilities, if you like, who wanted to have that band experience. Yeah, 12 years later, <laughs> some of us are still going. <laughs> we've been around the world 14 times and released five records and won Khan's Awards and we've had a, uh, an amazing run. But um, what, Rory, what's your role in the band? I am the lead singer and I play the keyboard. Brilliant. I've, I've watched you singing and I read somewhere that you have perfect pitch. That's right. And that was discovered when I was two years old. 
So 29 years ago. Wow. <laughs> yes. So tell us, because you are vision impaired, can That's you tell right. us a little bit about what your role um, on the day of Community Cup, what's going to be like as a coach, What you ha- some of the things you'll have to do? Well, at training every week, I've, the key thing for me is that when they do the, all the dri- when the players do all their drills, they really talk, they yell out to each other so I can hear that they're really commi- committed and I can hear their energy. <laughs> And so, and that's what they need to bring on the day. You know, when during game situations, they just, you know, when they do a kick or a handball, they still need to communicate verbally so I can hear them and I can hear their energy and that they're up for it. Do you know, I think that is such an underrepresented part of the game. You know, when mm. you go and watch local football, especially, you can really hear the sound and the noise mm. and, um, you know, you can see the difference it makes when but people are actually yelling and communicating with each it's other. It's particularly so. important for me because of my vision impairment. That's right. And I think it's something that's oh, I've seen sort of time and time again, but people that we get involved with don't see it so often, is um, just um, by including someone like Rory who just sees the world a little bit differently or hears the world a little bit differently, it does things to their environment that they're not sort of used to. And so sometimes when a team gets together every year, it can take four, five, six, seven, eight weeks That's for right. them to get really you know, comfortable with each other and know each other's names. Yeah, we were, you know, we, we started training in early April uh, for this cup. And we knew by mid April, we knew everyone's names basically off by heart. So that'll give us a big advantage come wow. game day. Yeah, wow. it's brought the team together quickly. It's it's been really fun. Wow, Rory, you were saying um, off air that you are doing both the coaching and the pre-match entertainment. Yes, that's uh, correct. Are you going to join the two together and sing the pre-match address to the team? <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> well, I don't know, but I might throw in a, a a line or two in one about just change a lyric or two in one of our one of our songs. <laughs> Seems like a good way to multitask that job or two jobs. Mm. That's so. right. And if you've got the microphone too, you've got a bigger voice. You're performing before the game Correct. and then you're, you're doing all of the coaching. That's, a, that's a, a big gig. So do you have a sense of how that day is going to play out for you? Well, a vague idea. I mean, not totally, but I've got a reasonable idea. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be very exciting. We start um, quite early. I think gates open at 11 o'clock. And mm-hmm. we play at 11.30. Yeah. All right. On, is on that, the... that a pretty early gig for a band? It is. Yep. Well, not as early as we did one at Clayton Railway Station of, in April. We had to be there at gulp 6 a.m. Oh, my Lord. No, That's yeah. so not rock and roll. That's so not rock and roll. <laughs> so how Unless did you, you do TV shows. Yeah. Oh, that's true. And then they put in makeup and all that crazy stuff. So how did you get involved with Community Cup? At uh, the start of this year, actually, it's been a bit of a rough ride because our drummer decided to leave um, the band. Because um, I go for Rowan and I go for Collingwood and he goes for Carlton, so we kicked him out. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, just kidding. That Brilliant. makes sense. So. <laughs> speak, we understand that thinking. Yeah. Um, and I just received a call um, from uh, Jason Evans, who's been with the Rock Dogs for many years, and he just asked if Rory would like to coach, and I just... I've been to the Community Cup many, many times and followed it and loved it and just thought that, you know, there is a space there for Rudely Interrupted. And, of course, we just jumped at the opportunity and um, Rory's really, um, he was super excited about it. He loves football. Um, he's already mentioned Collingwood. <laughs> so um, I said, absolutely, we don't know how it's going to work, but let's just throw ourselves in there and it's all about inclusion. You know, we've had the yes vote. It's done. Yeah. Now so the, the inclusion conversation can begin. It has begin. to be had. That's right, and it's proved to be um, 
really, yeah, really positive for us. It's it's fantastic. We oh. get to speak to you, lovely ladies. <laughs> and tell me about on the day. There's some other musicians there. Are there people that you've been, you know, you haven't been able to hear live yourself that that you'll be able to sort of be at the performance for? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got the Aints, who ain't the Saints, but we've got the Aints, <laughs> uh, Cable Ties, and, and Cool Chirdwoods. Um, I've got the list in front of me, but um, oh yeah, look, it's just fantastic to be included. Um, uh, an interesting thing with Rudely Interrupted is we've been going for twelve years and fourteen international tours, and everything we've done, what we haven't done, have been invited to perform with our peers. We've oh, never wow. had a support opportunity Until now. in Australia. Well, we've done festivals. We've done Laneway. Danny Rogers has been a great um, supporter of the band. And it's we just did in that inner culture of that band culture, we're not we're not included in that, and it's very hard to build an audience and be a band. We did Ability Fest in April. Yeah. Yeah. And that so, went well. It was fantastic. Yeah. You know, in fact, I think we made it more inclusive. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. do you, so Community Cup is used to be just a, a local thing in Melbourne, but this is now right around the country. Do you have some the dates um, and for when it's coming up? For what, what yes, to look we do. For, up for? Um, the big game is on the 24th of June. The big dance. That's right. Um, Which is my stepmother's birthday, so it's easy it's easy for me to remember. <laughs> Good. You'd be singing happy birthday that day, were you? And <laughs> um, where's the game being held? At Victoria Park. Wow. Collingwood's, old, oh. Collingwood's old home ground. The spiritual home. Is that Is that what got you over the line <laughs> to perform? When they said it was going to be there, you went, It was okay, for me, I'm definitely. <laughs> <laughs> we were actually there on um, Monday night and with the Megas. And the for a dogs. joint training session. And, yeah, down in the rooms, it was really special oh, for me. Wow. I was taking photos. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, congratulations on the gig. Thank you um, Good luck with the coaching. Um you know, I hear it's the toughest job, and you know, I think this week we saw some coaches have a few difficult moments. Well, <laughs> you know, AFL coach, well, yeah. AFL oh, yeah. level. Yeah. Well, Roy gets yeah. into them because if they don't do what he says, he he says they're on the pine. Or we'll do an eight a.m. training session one Sunday morning. I love it. Or make them get up at six and come to Clayton Railway Station with you, maybe. <laughs> In fact, maybe one of our songs. Uh, this love's real, there's no goodbyes. We could change where if you don't do what I say, you're on the pine. <laughs> no, that sounds perfect. Um, well, um, we will put the links up on our um, socials to yeah. uh, oh, the Daily Cup. It would also be remiss of us not to mention our launch of our remastered single Calculus and Tea or Anything is Possible, dual, dual title, at the Northcote Social Club on Sunday, July the 8th, which is a matinee. That was awesome. The Com Cup is, of course, on the 24th of June. The Com Cup happens in all states and territories, kind of. Now. It, it goes, travels a around. around. Yeah, yeah it travels around. I do love the Community Cup. I have a very um, strong megahertz following, so it was really kind of a Stay of the Rock Dog Aren't song. you still limping from your last appearance? <laughs> <laughs> I did have a specky taken on me yep. by um, Maddie who, from the band. We've with never no heard that. I can't believe he can. No. You know. I might get a tattoo of that, actually. <laughs> hey, um, final business. I just wanted to do a shout out. Um, Meg Hutchins has announced that she's retiring oh. from AFLW. I, is this the first person we've heard actually retire from AFLW? I guess it's new I space, guess, isn't it? Yes, it is. No, I think, I think we have heard of some others. I feel like someone from No, it's not injury. Lucy saying no, no. because I think, yeah. yeah I Double think Lucy. Yeah. Lucy, Lucy, who's <laughs> sitting in the other studio, is also shaking her head no. saying, no, it's not the first. Um, but the reason why I brought it up is because we interviewed Meg Hutchins in season one of The Outer Sanctum. And at that time, 
we didn't really know her and she didn't really know us mm. and we've become fast friends. But um, what an extraordinary story of someone who has lived that whole journey mm-hmm. of being, t- you know, playing the game, loving the game, being forced out of the game because of her gender um, when she reached a certain age, then finding all the ways that she could to be involved in football and then being still being well fit enough to be able to make that, so you amazing. know, make that amazing first game lockout yeah. and play for a team that she had loved her whole life. And I just think that is an extraordinary moment in history. So congratulations, Meg, and congratulations all of the players who are thinking about retiring after mm-hmm. one or two seasons because that, that must mm-hmm. be really tough. And, and the coaches. But just so that um, Meg will be playing VFLW for Hawthorne, though. So we still get to see her play and you guys should get out and watch her. That is true. Another massive milestone this week is Sean Burgoyne is playing his 350th. And I can't believe I managed to say Sean Burgoyne without saying Sean Burgoyne. (laughs) Well, or Sean Burgoyne. I can't either. He moves to the equal 15th most career games this week. Ooh. Is that by games or by height? <laughs> We're on games now. Five goals, two hundred eleven centimeters. Do you know when we when Hawthorne recruited Sean Burgoyne, my husband looked at me and he said, "This will be a very happy time for you." And I said, "Port Adelaide, eh? Never mm. heard of him." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look at that! I hate it when my husband's right, but God bless him. Um, so congratulations to Sean Burgoyne, Silk, as they call him. We call him. Yeah. Does everyone call him Silk? Yeah, I, I think call him Burger. 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 Nice. Yeah. Um, and final business, thank you so much for this lovely outpouring of people who have registered to come to our live event. We are cooking up some really special treats. You can register um, by following the links on our social pages and um, you can register to be in the running to be granted a golden <laughs> ticket, Willy Wonka style. And Sounds you'll very be exclusive. We're going to have to have exclusive. chocolate or something on the night to make it actually yeah. Worth it. <laughs> Make it worth it. Yeah. Free chocolate, by the way. Remember that friend that we had whose mum used to stick lollies to her face so that her brother would play with her? It's kind <gasps> of like that. Yeah. We'll do that to Nick. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for listening. Have I missed any final business before we wrap this up? No? We thought it would be a really nice treat to go out with um, a song from Rudely Interrupted to pay homage to our guests today. Um, so enjoy this piece of music and we will see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.